Hello and welcome to another episode of Marriage in a Tightrope. I'm Alan. And I'm Katie. And we're still married. Yeah, we are. This is a rare evening. It is a Wednesday evening and all of the kids are at their youth activities at the church. Aren't I excited about it? And we decided to take this time to podcast. That's right. They have their church and we have ours. You are our church, everyone. At least you're mine. Well, we're excited to to dive into a very exciting, wonderful topic. Oh my gosh, there's so much to unpack here. So we're going to first go over some exciting annou- announcements. A lot of excitement. It's a verb that we like. Alan, what's the first one? First announcement is on Sunday, November 14th, for those in the future, it is The year is 2021, so if you're listening past that date, sorry, you missed it. Uh, We are going to be presenting at Thrive, which is a a wonderful uh, event put on by the Thrive Council. A lot of uh, folks that you may listen to as well, depending on where you are in the belief spectrum, are going to be there presenting uh, Radio Free Mormon and Bill Reel and John DeLynn and Natasha Helfer and um, uh, Luna and Jesse Funk and man, there's just there's a lot of people that are going to be there. Uh, they've asked us to present, and our topic that we've chosen is united in our differences. You, Doesn't that sound like an EFY song? It does, but it also is like doesn't give any sort of description as to what we're talking about. So, what is it we're talking about? Good question, Alan. I'll answer that one. <laughs> so, we are going to be talking about uh, prioritizing relationships with those you disagree with. Uh, particularly religious differences, obviously. Uh, that is the the focus of not only Thrive, but of this podcast as well. Uh, they gave us 15 minutes, and that is the time that everyone at Thrive is getting to present, uh, unless you're the like the two keynote speakers that are going to be there. Lance Allred, former uh, NBA player, and then the actress from The Vow. Do you remember her name? Sarah Edmondson. That's right, Sarah Edmondson, and she has a podcast about uh, religion as well. So if you would like to come, uh, I know that there are some marriage in a tightrope uh, believing women who are coordinating a group, and they're, what they plan on doing is that if things get a little tough in, in the main room, they are going to exit and just form a group outside. Uh, they may have uh, someone that is more nuanced or out inside texting them saying, hey, you can come back now. <laughs> so uh, if you'd like to go, uh, we would welcome that. You can go to thrivebeyondreligion.com to get your tickets. And that could be for men or women. Yeah, of course. Because there probably are some believing men. Believing men exist? Is that a thing? I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, about half of our listeners, or half of those that are out are, are believing men. Yeah. Uh, in marriages, rather. Half of the marriages have believing men and half don't. So, Did you tell them what time we were speaking? Uh, I don't Four remember, o'clock. but 4 p.m. is when we are speaking. Yeah, that's right. Okay, the other big announcement. This I, is even bigger. I'm so excited because I can finally tell you all what I have been working on for the past month. Oh, yeah. So, as you know... We are putting together a women's retreat. And by we, I mean I. (laughs) I'm putting together a women's retreat. I am so stoked. There are amazing people that will be to this retreat. Okay, now let me tell you a few of the details. We will launch open registration on Monday, November 8th at 10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. We have 100 spots. That is it. We've decided uh, in order for us to accomplish the goals that we want to accomplish, which are healing and connection, it needs to stay to 100 women. Now, these are women no matter what they believe, right? uh, Yes, I'm getting to that. If you are in a mixed faith relationship or marriage, right, and you're post-Mormon, 
you are nuanced, you are active believing, or you fall anywhere in between, this retreat is for you. Because we're not gearing it towards post-Mormon, we're not gearing it towards active believing members. The whole purpose of having this is to heal and to connect. And we can do that in this space. We make space for each other in our marriage. We can do it in this space with women. So let me tell you some of the things that are going to happen. So we will be meeting, um, it's February 4th through the 5th. Originally, it was going to be a different weekend, but we had to move things around when the schedule quite didn't match up with everyone. So uh, Friday night, February 4th is kind of an icebreaker night. We are going to have one of our mixed faith ladies do a Zumba class with us. And it's really just supposed to be fun, really get to know other people there. And it's just supposed to be a time for everyone to connect. There'll be treats, there'll be, you know, snacks for everyone to eat. uh, But it'll just be a fun icebreaker. And then Saturday, uh, February 5th, these are some of the things that you can expect. So we are going to be having Janice Spangler come talk about the power of vulnerability and using your inner authority to make the best decisions for you and your family. We are also excited to have Carolyn Pearson, who is not going to be there live, but will be there via Zoom. And she is going to be reading poems to us. And she's also going to do a live Q&A with us. So excited very, that very she excited. that she said that she would do this with us. Uh, I have a wonderful friend. Uh, her name's Mandy, and she is an incredible singer and musician. And she is going to come and provide music for us. And then I've asked Allison Pond to come. Allison is an award-winning journalist, and she has her own course um, that she runs that has to do with like writing through trauma. She's going to come and talk to us about the power of writing. Right, writing? Writing. Okay. Writing. I, like, I wasn't sure if this was, this was like an equestrian event. It's no, writing. Writing through trauma. <laughs> Not writing. I mean, there's probably some analogies you can draw through that. But sure. uh, no, writing through through trauma, specifically journaling. And if we're not good at it, what are some prompts we can do? There, There's just so much. She's so full of information. One of the things that I love about this is every single woman that I ask to participate in this retreat is someone who is in this community. So luckily, we have been blessed to know a lot of people with a lot of amazing talents. And so these are the people that I'm asking to be a part of it. Uh, and then one thing I really wanted to do is connect like mind, body and spirit So we are having this retreat on the fifth floor of the Alianza building. Thank you, Brian. And on the first floor, that's in Pleasant Grove, Utah, right? And on the first floor, there is a yoga studio called Purify. And it's actually the largest one in the state of Utah. And we are going to have three different groups rotate through a a 45-minute yoga session and a 45-minute sound bath where all of these things that they have been able to um, observe and learn during the day, they'll be able to think about and meditate on during these yoga 
and sound bath classes, and then you'll have time to journal. We're also going to have breakout groups so that you can connect with other women who are in your space. This is a lot of information. It I know is a lot, it's, but it's worth telling. But it's worth telling because I've worked super hard on finding the right people and just conceptualizing this idea for this retreat. So again, this will be on Monday, November 8th at 10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. This will go live. We have 100 spots. And so the first ones to fill it up will fill it up. And uh, I think that's it. Yeah. And you're going to feed everyone, right? I am. Yes. We are going to feed everyone on uh, Saturday. Saturday, right? Yeah. We're going to feed you breakfast and lunch. We will be done by 4.30 on Saturday. That sounds fun. It's going to be great. So women who want to, to attend, please look for that registration. I think we're going to post the, um, links. the links in our Facebook group and on Instagram. We'll also put it in the show notes for this episode and some subsequent episodes that are coming. So look for it there. Yep. We did it. Those are our announcements. Under 10 minutes. Woo! So now we want to get to the topic at hand. So here's the deal. Katie and I... When we started this podcast, we had so many things we still had to work through. We had to talk about church attendance and baptisms and tithing and garments and, and word of wisdom and, and back to church attendance again and, and repairing you know the things that we had both said and done that was hurtful. We had so many things that we had to talk about. And as time goes on, it's been almost four years since we started the podcast, which is crazy, and five years since we were in a mixed-faith marriage. Uh, where we've worked through a lot, which is great. The problem with that is that we have less and less to talk about as far as our marriage goes. So if you look at the last, what, 30 to 40 episodes, the percentage of episodes that are interview-based is quite high because we're letting other people tell their stories because we've told a lot of our story. However, we do have a few topics that have come to the forefront that have got us talking again. Not like we're not talking, but got, had us... Sometimes we're not talking. Well, it happens. Uh, but has us talking about and working through these mixed faith topics once again. Uh, just a teaser for a future episode is baptism season's coming up again. Our seven-year-old just turned eight, so we've, we uh, need to talk about that again. Our nine-year-old is still not baptized. And she's the one that is kind of being a little resistant at the moment. And our eight-year-old is kind of like... Okay, let's do it. So now it's, you know, oh, well, unexpected turn of events. But that is not the topic of this episode. Okay, the topic of this episode, you guys, this is actually like, how long have we been working on this topic itself? Like three months, four months? Yeah, yeah. It's It's been th at least three months that we've been working on this topic. And we'll tell you why in just a minute. So the question that I have for you, Alan. Sure. Okay, think back to the super believing days. Ooh, I can remember those. <laughs> and I hope they're fond, not dark. I don't have dark memories. Okay. So think back to those believing days. And I'm going to ask you, how did we make decisions back then? How did, you, how did we make big life decisions back then? That's a good question. So, you know, when God was in the picture, yes, <laughs> for me, uh, and I think I think you would agree with this that I, I was the type of um, prayerer. 
uh, and Christian slash LDS slash Mormon slash whatever. My style uh, and our style was when there's a decision to make, you study it out, you research it out, you do the best you can to come to a decision, you make the decision, and then you go to God in prayer with the decision to confirm it. Right. And if you get that confirming feeling, awesome. If you get nothing, also awesome. Stupor of thought. Then you're not supposed to do it. You're not supposed to do it. Um, if if you all of a sudden you, you're praying about that confirmation or praying for that confirmation and you ha- start having these kind of internal feelings of, ooh, I don't know, I don't like this. Uh, that could be, you know, God or the Holy Ghost telling you uh, maybe you should go the other direction. I think that in general and a very short explanation is how I approach decision making in my believing days. Now, but not, now, not all decisions. No, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Not all decisions. Okay, so Alan, how did we make the decision to have a baby? Oh, gosh. See, I teased us, but when I still believed about this, this method, uh, we were childless at the beginning of our marriage, and it was wonderful. We- Why didn't we stay that way? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, man. So we can you tell that we have more energy right now because our kids are out of the house and it's not 10 p.m.? So we, uh, we went on a date night when we were newly married. We had been married for nine months. And well, about eight months. And we decided for our date night, we were going to go to the temple. But we wanted to be the most service oriented as possible. So when we got there, we said, hey, uh, where do you need help tonight? Like we want to help however the temple needs help. Has anyone ever asked that? Like, don't you just go and make up your mind and say, we're going to do this or this? Well, this is me being indecisive as well. I'm the guy at restaurants that says surprise me. These are the two choices. Server, please bring me back one of these Sometimes two. you don't even give them choices. Sometimes you're That's just annoying. like, bring me whatever. I say, I don't like mushrooms, hard-boiled eggs, or tomatoes. Bring me something that doesn't have those. And every time the server looks at me like, oh, don't make me do this. <laughs> this is but basically my life, making all the decisions. Okay, keep going. Babe. We did that temple style. So we went in and we said, where do you need us? We were expecting initiatories or ceilings or something. No. Laundry. So they were I like, had never done laundry I'm, before. And that was the only time we ever. That was did the it. only time. Well, that was the only time we ever asked because that's true. Then maybe that's the only time. Yeah, we learned our lesson pretty quickly. So we went down to the basement, and you wear your white clothes. You wear your white clothes. We went down there and we were folding the laundry temple clothes. Yeah. And as we're folding it, hold on. I'm going to say this was actually kind of pleasant because it was because you can talk. You can sit and talk to each other, yeah. and it's quiet and. You know, there's just like no distractions. Right. So it was a very pleasant experience if anyone ever wants to just go full laundry. Right. Well, the who brought up the topic? Do you remember? I think I did. Probably. <laughs> Probably. Katie brought it up. And honestly, you can tell, I don't remember exactly what was said, but Katie brought up the, so when should we start trying to have kids? Like, what do you think? We, when should we start our family? And what I, as a believer, I would always tell this story and tease people to say, guess what? If you ever ask the question of when you should start a family in the temple, the answer is going to be leave the temple, go home and start your family. It's going to be started now. Okay, but this is something that we had just sort of in passing talked about multiple times. But this was a more serious conversation about what it would look like if we decided to get pregnant. And quite honestly, I... Do you feel like I had this 
spiritual feeling uh, that we should start having a family. Now, my whole thought process had to do with this, the fact that my sister uh, was had been trying for a couple years to have a baby and she couldn't. And so, you know, I thought, well, maybe I'm feeling so strongly about this because it's going to take me a while to have a baby. Right. And I mean, be honest, when we were sitting there talking about it, it felt like the right thing. Yeah. It <laughs> it felt like the right thing. It did feel like the right thing. Yeah. I don't know when we want to get into this topic. Let's not get into the topic not of yet. feelings versus other things. So no. let's let's move on. So, okay, but we were both in agreement. We were on the oh, same yeah. page. We left that saying, we're going to start trying. Right. So... How many menstrual cycles did it take, Katie? <laughs> Zero. Well, yeah. Zero. <laughs> not that it was an immaculate conception, <laughs> but the next time that it was possible is when we got pregnant. Right. So apparently I'm like a super can get pregnant at any second at any of any day. And uh, there does not have to be any sort of perfect conditions for this to happen. And so we were shocked when we found out we were pregnant. We were like, whoa, what? Because we were not expecting it. And so anyway... Everything about our first child has been traumatic since then. So I do wonder <laughs> if that really is. Is that the biggest crack on your in your shelf? No, <laughs> it's not. Because I still, I, I still thought it really was the right thing to, for us to do at the time. Right. So I think that that's like a big thing where it's not like we were like making a best educated guess because how do you do that you know we weren't through school you were playing volleyball at BYU I was working and going to school like it really wasn't a good time right it it wasn't um straight A's before the kid was born uh barely graduated after he was get degrees (laughs) C's get degrees that's why you go into sales with your with your (laughs) bachelor's degree (laughs) No one cares. No one looks at your transcript. I know. I lie no one and does say that. I got a 4.0 anyway. No. Anyway, so, okay, Alan. So we, that's like one of the big, big moments where we had this decision that we, you know, wouldn't normally do that kind of on the fly. Um, but moving into this new space where Alan doesn't believe in God anymore, it has been a challenge because I feel like some of the bigger decisions of our life like really needs like well well thought prayed over i mean it's it's like hard to make those types of decisions and so fast forward okay and um well i I should say rewind we were in uh georgia this last summer and just towards the end of our trip we were just having such a great time alan's whole family lives there and my kids just love it there so towards the end of the trip, uh, we I find this house on Zillow, and it literally checks every box I would ever make for a house, every single one. And so I said sort of like, hey, let's go see this house. Let's go see. If, and Alan's like, really? And I'm like, oh, come on. It'll be fun. So we go see the house, and that was the worst decision because what happens? Everyone loved it. Everyone loved it. It's like, whoa. And okay, let me just say, for what you get in Utah, oh my gosh, you can I mean, you can get 
like a freaking mansion. This this was almost three times the size of our Utah home. We, and and it was almost ten times the land as our Utah home. Right. And we priced everything out. Yeah. And it this is a two and a half million dollar house in Utah. And so we just not that much in Georgia. Not in Georgia. We're like the Californians going into Georgia. The Californians. <laughs> so anyway, we um fall in love with the house and everyone is begging to move. Right. I mean, I have one daughter who was like, Nope. I mean, she was pretty steady nope yeah. the entire time. Right. All the boys were excited to move. Alan was excited to move. And so we get home from our vacation and I have surgery almost like a week after, and we're talking, we're going back and forth about this stupid house. Like, what should we do? Should we make an offer? So we go, long story short, we go back and forth, and they do finally accept an offer from us. And then (laughs) we were like, okay, now what? So we have to put our house up for sale. And Alan and I, along the road, every single turn, I'm like, Alan, are you sure this is the right thing to do? And what did you say? Well, it, it was hard. <laughs> it was confusing. I think that that question in and of itself is is loaded. I mean, what does the right thing even mean? There's so many components in, in this decision, right? Yeah. It's the social aspect. It's the financial aspect. It's do we want to move away from your family? Do we want to live closer to my family? We're moving to the South. We've never lived in the South, like ever. I mean, I did my homework. I sent my in-laws, I mean, just a billion questions. I would talk to them constantly about schools, about doctors, about... I mean, I really, really, really tried to find all of the answers to every question that all of us had. And there's... That process would not have been different. If you recall from about, what, 10 minutes ago... When I explained how I would make decisions before I no longer believed, or while I still believed, to put it more affirmatively, that that's what we would do uh, in the first place, is you would study it out, you would research it out, you would ask the questions, you would uh, do all of that and come to a decision. It was hard to come to a decision, and we both waffled big time. We both waffled big time. So, okay, let me say something that my, my mom once told me. Because I feel like this goes well right here. Um, one time when I was had my first, pregnant with my second, I was called to be the nursery leader. And I was super sick. And my oldest was so hard, so, so hard. And they asked me to be the leader. And I didn't know what to say at the time. And my mom said to me, Katie, inspiration means that they have all the information. You need to give them all the information in order for them to call you to something. And so I did. I gave them all the information about where we were at and how sick I was. And they immediately said, oh, this is not the right calling for you. And my and my parents are very um, orthodox believing. And so I kind of have seen things that way. Like I take that with me and approach this situation in the same manner. Like I need to, in order for me to feel inspired or like we should go, we should do this thing. I need to gather as much information as possible in order to like, not just to like do it on a whim. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Anyway. So (laughs) 
the further along down the road we got, you guys, we, we put the house up for sale. We had a for sale sign in the front, in the front yard. We had constant showings. We had uh, open houses. My sister came and like helped stage the whole house. We went all in, ex- just sort of expecting that we were going to move. And then the kids got back to school. Right. They and, made their friends. They got and comfortable things, in classes. And things started to change. Yeah. Then all of the kids were like, no, all of them. All, well, our youngest was still kind of, yeah, we can do it. But all of the kids uh, were, were saying, uh, we kind of want to stay now. And some of them were like, we really want to stay now. Yeah. And, our, and that was coming from our oldest, who's a sophomore in high school, and who was like, I love high school. I right. don't want I don't want to leave my friends. And yeah. so now here Helen and I are getting offers on the house. And we did get a couple of offers and one was really close. And Alan and I sat down and we said, Is this something we're actually going to do? And we're telling you this because it's hard to make these big decisions. Multiple times I would tell Alan that I'm praying about it. Alan even offered to pray with me i did i did offer to pray with you at one point you did yeah and because and you should have seen like i had a spreadsheet of the financial aspect of it i had just i mean really like we mulled over this for so long and here's here's the the crazy part is there we didn't get there wasn't like a clear for me or for you lightning bolt of we should not move or we should stay mm-hmm. would, would you say that yeah would you agree with that right and so like i took that as well it's our decision to make and in the end what happened in the end we stayed we stayed and uh you know i i think that by the time we got towards the end of the contract and sell our place, uh, we had decided that uh, we had wanted to stay. And for we don't need to get into all the different reasons as to why, but... But I made Alan... I like kind of said, it's on you. Yeah. I did, because... Yeah. So in, in the end, I mean, we make decisions together, of course, but in this situation, do. in the end... I, I kind of made that final decision of it's probably best that we stay. And some of that was financial. Some of that was social. Uh, to be honest, like we did not get the offer when we first put the house up. We said, this is as low as we can go. And we didn't get it. We, we were got within, very close. Yeah. We got within like $10,000. Yeah. So it's. We yeah. had an out. We had an out to say, oh, well, the market didn't let it happen. So the market decided for us. Uh, but in the end, we decided, no, we're not going to go. Right. So. I know that everyone deals with something different, right? They can be really small decisions. They can be really big decisions. It is difficult to make big decisions when you're not on the same page, right? Right. When I'm like over here praying and you're over here like, okay, let's run the numbers. And I think both are valid, right? Because my praying, I really just didn't feel in my heart that it was the right thing to do to go. I didn't feel like we shouldn't go. I just didn't feel like it was mm-hmm. like pushing us to go. And really you helped by, you know, finding all the answers to the questions that we needed. Right. 
And so the combination of the two, I think, worked really well for us to make the best decision. All of you are, are, have decisions to make, and this was a really hard process for us. But I just want to give you a little bit of insight that it's not a bad thing when you're not on the same page and you're making big decisions together because one's going to think differently than the other and you're going to get two different points of view on it. And that for us really worked. Yeah. I mean, that's to me, that's being united in your differences. That's right. Uh, You actually, I mean, we're talking definitions here now and semantics, but we can be on the same page while disagreeing. Yeah. And I felt like through this process, we were, were you disappointed at all that I wasn't leaning on? Like, did you feel like it, it would have been better for us or easier for us to decide what to do if I would have been on board with the prayer stuff? I mean, I think it would have been helpful for me to like, if we were both like praying about it and thinking about it, let me tell you as much effort as I put into this decision, Alan put just as much, much effort and thought and into it as well. And so I think that that shows me that, you know, you were in it. I don't know. It's, it's, I mean, it would have been great had we been able to pray about it together. It may not have changed the timeline or or the decision in the end, but, but emotionally it would have been, it may have been helpful for you. So Alan, how has this decision-making process changed the way you make decisions? Because before it was like, you know, we, we laid out how, what you did before. Has it changed? You know, it's changed a little bit, but not as much as you would think. I mean, again, this is now the third time, thrice, if you will, that we've talked about that process when I was a believer of think, study out, pray, ask questions. No, excuse me. Pray just slipped in there accidentally. Uh, <laughs> uh, think, think through it, ask questions, do your research, do a pros and cons list and all that stuff. Like that's make your decision and then take it to God. So obviously I'm not taking it to God anymore. And the funny thing is, is that, and maybe not funny, but the interesting thing is that I, I compare this experience with the other big life-changing decision uh, that came in 2014 when I was offered a job away from the company that I'm now currently still at. I ended up not leaving. And I was a full believer and I went through the same process and we waffled back and forth, you and I both. We got to the point where I had to tell my company whether or not I was staying or leaving the company. And we wrote, Katie wrote, two notes to the, <laughs> Why pres- did to I the president do this? to the president of the company the morning of because after a week of thinking and praying and trying, fasting, this was only a few months after my dad had passed. Mm-hmm. So I, was, I wasn't praying to him, but I was asking Heavenly Father to let my dad, who was the, the businessman, uh, he, he was in the same field as me, and my other two brothers um, are losers and they're doctors. So they didn't, uh, <laughs> he loved me more because I went into the same field. Um, I was asking, like, can you let my dad tell me what to do here? Like, I could really use some advice and crickets. I did not feel anything. And that was really hard. And then, in fact, this is uh, one of the very first songs when I built my faith playlist a few years after this that I added was the song that came on the radio as I drove to work to sit down with the president of the company and give him one of the two letters 
on the way to work. I had the letters in my hand. I still did not know when I left the house. Katie didn't know if I was going to say I'm staying or I'm leaving. And I had both letters written by Katie. One saying, we're so appreciative of this opportunity because they were giving me a different role and a promotion and everything. And the other one was like, we're so sorry. (laughs) And as I drove, I cried in the car when the song Say Something by Christina Aguilera and Little Big World came on. Say something, I'm giving up on you. And how poetic in that moment of like, will you give me an answer? Because I'm I'm giving up on you. In three years' time, I did. <laughs> Sorry, that was a Jeez, bit... Jeez, that was a little dark. <laughs> that was a bit dark. But it was. It was this moment of like, come on, what else can I do? And the funniest thing is I went and told them I'm leaving. And two days later, I changed my mind and I had to beg them for my job back. And they accepted. And I'm still at the company. And both the president and the guy that I reported to are gone. <laughs> they pulled yeah, up. it was a, it was a small company at that time, which is yeah. why I could write a letter, you know, to the to president because right. we were we were good friends with them. Yeah. And you know, I'm thinking about the stock options of the other company. And I know. It, I I think that we we kind of just made the wrong decision. No, but. <laughs> well, you know, I got to be careful because what if my boss listens to this podcast? I I love the company I work for. Yeah, you anyway, do. That's not really the point of the story, but the point of the story is. When I was a believer, I had that experience. And now that I'm not, we had this experience. Both, maybe I'm just a bad decision maker, a major life I mean, you literally maker. said that. You let the restaurant workers choose your food for you. I do like letting other people decide things. I, I'm too easygoing, I think. I'm just, I'm fine. I kind of have the attitude of, we'll just make whatever work. We're just going to make it work. We don't want to put us in Aww. a bad situation. That works in my favor all the time. It does. We just got back from Disney. So (laughs) we're just going to make it work and it's going to be just fine. Now, um, I I think that uh, there's uh, there's an interesting question that our good friend Clark um, asked us. And I think maybe it's a good time to get into that. Sure. So he asks, what do you attribute answers to prayers in the past? Because I can look back at experiences where I did feel like I got an answer to a prayer. And some of those, uh, this being a mixed faith marriage podcast, are very central to the marriage, including the decision to get married. To get married. Right? And those experiences, and, you know, during my, my transition away, even before we started the podcast, that's part of what can be so, so difficult about losing one's faith in a marriage setting when one does not, because you're questioning, are you throwing me out too? Or are you... In my case, where uh, I at first I didn't um, lose a belief in God, that happened a little bit later. But when the belief in God did fall out, it was it was like, well, hold on a second. You know, we prayed about getting married. What does that mean? Now that you like, do you not feel inspired to marry me? So the the there's a few ways that um, that I would um, answer that question, especially understanding how sensitive of a question that it is. Uh, the first the first way that I would answer it is I absolutely um, am very dead set on not trying to explain other people's experiences. If someone else has an experience and they attribute it to whatever they want to attribute it to, I'm happy to say, good for you. I'm glad that was a positive experience. Okay, but what about your own? Well, of course you're going to ask me mm-hmm. that. So what about my own Um you know, I, if I wrote down every single, if I, this would be testing my memory, but if I wrote down every single experience that I've ever had that I attributed to 
you know, a, a conversation with God or a prompting of the Holy Ghost. And, and I looked through all of them. I imagine that there's probably, you know, if there's a hundred of them, there's 98 of them that I could explain by, by saying that was my own voice talking to me. And that was my own decision-making process. You know, I, I had thoughts that I attributed elsewhere. Is that sad? To you, maybe. Is it sad to you? I think so. A little bit? Yeah. So, I, you know, I think this goes back to my personality type of being just, it's all going to work out, go with the flow. Because I have talked to many people who it's devastating to, to come, whether you agree with this conclusion or not. If you, if you still believe in a God, like Katie does, of course, uh, you, can, you can imagine how devastating it would feel to somebody to say, oh my goodness, I haven't been getting answers that my whole life, like uh, this, this was not an answer to a prayer. I convinced myself that it was, and I've been alone this whole time. Like a, a lot of people that's really devastating for it's, it hasn't been terribly devastating for me. It hasn't been. And to the contrary, uh, it's, it's actually been a situation where I've, it, it can be a little bit of an optimistic look of looking back at my experiences and saying, oh, well, if I don't believe that I had, you know, supernatural help guiding me through these experiences, shoot, I was able to do it. I got through those experiences. Other people were there to help me. And to be honest, that's not terribly far off from how I lived religiously either. I, I preached so much and preached is the right word, but as elders quorum president, um, I spoke at a few firesides on taking action. And this is very a very LDS thing. Hold on. I just let me get this thought out. <laughs> this is a very LDS thing of we are the instruments of God. You know, we are the tools. If, if someone, you know, our son right now for his young men's activity is raking the leaves of the elderly in our ward, um, my religious self would say, God's not coming down to rake leaves. If, if, God is going to help that happen. We're the ones that have to go out and do it. Like, so we are the instruments to do it. So for me, like, because I think I took that approach to prayers and answers, like we can be the answers to other people's prayers and vice versa. I think losing the God aspect of it hasn't changed much. If change needs to happen and actions need to be taken, we're the ones that have to do it because there's no one else that's going to. And I agree with that. Yeah. I think that there's a fine line because my spidey senses are going off and I hear the word prideful. Like when when you say like, well, I relied on myself and I did it. Yeah. And, and honestly, like I'll, I would, I want to speak. There are times in the podcast and we, Katie and I both try to speak right in the middle, right? So that it's not, you're not coming after one side or the other. There are times where I feel like it's really important to try to voice um, what it feels like on this this unbeliever side. And this is one of those moments where leaning onto your own strength is something I no longer feel should be demonized. And maybe demonized is the wrong word. Uh, well, no, that's a fine word. But it's not something that should be looked down on. Of I don't, if, I don't look down on it. I'm just sure. saying that like... I mean, and maybe it's my own conditioning. 
saying that, oh, that's prideful to say that you did it yourself. Right. And, and I, I personally, um, you know, looking at if I have a decision to make and I don't believe that there is a God that's helping me make it. And I'm going to say to myself, I have to lean on my own understanding of this situation to make this decision. That's not prideful. That's just the reality of the situation. Like, and, and so for, for me, uh, I, I feel like it's, it's a good thing to say, I've got to figure out how to do this and not alone and not pushing people away. I mean, I still, you know, we, you said yourself, right. That we walked through this decision really hand in hand, trying to figure this out. You worked really hard. I worked really hard and we, we did this together. Mm -hmm. So uh, hopefully that message is coming across that it's like, it's not all about me, 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 but it's when it comes down to my life, like I, I'm the master of my life. Like I'm the only one that can decide what I want and what I'm going to do. I'm the one that has to be held accountable for my actions. I'm the one that's going to face the consequences of my actions. Yeah, I see that. And I understand. And I don't want to demonize anyone for saying right. that, you know, they, they, they really just like pulled themselves through because I, I do believe that so much of your every day, it's you <laughs> getting yourself up right. out of bed right. to do the thing. So I, I, I don't want to take away from that. I, I do want to say when you talk about how we are the instruments, I 100% agree, right? That we're the instruments. Right. I also, though, feel and believe that people become inspired and I don't know what you want to call it, but are inspired to do things that they didn't, wouldn't normally do. And I recognize that as the spirit. Now, yeah. whether whether it be from, you know, what you say it's from yourself or whatever, I'm going to attribute that to God. But I do think that people become inspired to do things for others based on the thoughts or the feelings or the um, impressions that they get. Right. And that's how change is made. Hey, I'm with you on that. And I think the difference is that you would you would be quicker to attribute it to the spirit than I would be. Sure. Naturally. I mean, a good example, we were watching and watching TV last night and we, the, the, the show instant family came on and you remember watching that in the theater? We left the theater and we had, we talked about this on the last episode with Matt and Laura. Oh, you're absolutely right. We did. So we, we talked about for about an hour, Katie, after we watched this movie, we thought, we thought, you know, maybe we could uh, foster some kids and be, and when you watch media, when you watch movies, you can feel inspired. So I absolutely recognize that there are external inputs that can that can impact our emotions and inspire us to do good for others and bad for others. Like there there are these these things that can inspire us. And I'm going to add that there are also internal, right? Just things that you feel or m- meditate on yeah. internally that right. doesn't have anything to do with outside uh, validation or movies or media or whatever that you feel inspired to do. So I, for sure, I still, I still really believe that as well. When I look at this question, what do you attribute answers to prayers in the past? I'm going to say that I still attribute them to God and to light and knowledge and, and impressions that I've received. So that hasn't changed for me. The second question that, we got was 
has the decision-making process changed at all? And like we've just laid out, it has changed for Alan, but not much. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say that for me, it has changed. It has changed in that before, I think I would want to, I would really like ask Alan, hey, will you come and pray with me? Will you come? I want to like involve Alan in and the spiritual part of it. And I don't do that anymore. A lot of it is just internal. It's for myself. And it it has been hard <laughs> in the past. But again, I, th- I think hearing our experience, us working through it, and then how we were able to come to a decision, it really was just for the benefit of the both of us. Right. And we're on different paths, walking hand in hand. And we're just making different decisions to how we arrive at that answer. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I'd, love to, I'd love to talk about when you were talking about your response on how your decision-making process has changed. I thought of something else that yeah. I think would be important to, to, to point out. I think one other way that my decision process has changed is how I interpret my own emotions and feelings. Uh, to simplify it, and it's not always this way, but to simplify it, uh, in my previous religious belief positive emotions equaled God is talking to me. Negative emotions equaled Satan is talking to me or stay away. And we know that that is very unhealthy. It is an unhealthy way of thinking. So as an example, you know, as, as we're thinking about this move to Georgia and we, and I start having major anxiety about it, um, I could have incorrectly attributed that to, oh, this means we shouldn't do it. But now I, f- I feel like I'm, I'm, more, um, I'm more skeptical of my own emotions or I'm more curious about my own emotions to see like I would why say sometimes you're skeptical. I, I readily accept and am proud, purposely <laughs> using that word, that uh, I'm a skeptic in many, many ways. However, in this case, what I mean to say is I'm curious about my own emotions. So if I'm feeling anxious about this move... Well, what is it about the move? It's not the house, because I love the house. Uh, the finances? Well, let's let's really dig in and understand the finances. And then it comes back that's like, oh, we actually we actually could do this. Like, this would work. Okay, so it's not the finances. So what else could the anxiety be? Uh, well, what about the social aspect? Well, let's talk to the kids. Ooh, all of a sudden, they're not, they're not feeling as good as they were before. And Katie's expressing that she would might have a hard time leaving and... And so now it's like, okay, well, I, I'm understanding better why I'm feeling some of this negative emotion because I know that this would be a difficult social move. Does that make sense? Like this, this, these feelings are coming from somewhere and I want to get to the bottom of it. And, and the same way goes with the positive feelings. Just because yeah. I'm like, ooh, I feel really good about this. I want to say, okay, why do I feel good about this? Mm-hmm. Well, the house is beautiful. And the, the, those positive things can be, can be a mistake as well. I mean, we bought a timeshare and we felt really good about it. <laughs> we did. And th- Worst this is, decision ever. We were super young, right, when we did this. But we bought a timeshare and we felt great about it. And it ended up being a nightmare, stupid waste of money. Yeah. Emotions just aren't terribly reliable. You, But there are good signals to like try to dig in and figure out why you're feeling these things. And 
If you're feeling only positive, well, what negative turns are you not looking at or stones are you not turning over? So luckily for us, this is the time and experience that we've been able to develop this because we did not have the emotional intelligence right. that we once had before. So I, one of us is in our 40s now. So we've got a lot of life experience. 4 D, not S, four Ds, excuse you. No, but in the past, I think that having this uh, good and bad feelings um, speak to us, you know, ruled a lot of the decisions we made. And now, having been to therapy, having done therapy with couples, right. having recognized that bad emotions are good signals yeah. as to you know, and then we have to dig where are those coming from and why, and they're not necessarily bad; they're just indicators. That's I love that. That's a really good way of putting it. Yeah, and and so now all of you are in this position where hopefully you've grown in emotional intelligence, and you are able to make some of these decisions not just based on a good or bad feeling, and that's what Alan and I are, are trying to get at, even though we are not on the same page. Even though we loved this house, even though, you know, it would have been a really fun, different opportunity, we decided in the end that it wasn't right for us. Yep. And hopefully, you know, moving forward, we can continue to have this dynamic in the big decisions that come our way. Because we did so hand in hand, and it's not easy, and... I would get frustrated and Alan would get frustrated. In fact, the day we decided not to do it, Alan said, you got to call my family. I can't. I, I can't tell them. I cannot talk I to my family them. and tell them. And I did. And it was, it's just so hard. These are really hard things to, to deal with, but you can work through them. Yeah. Life's messy. There's no, a lot of times there's no quote, right decision. It's just, you got to make a decision and, and, and stick with it. And that's what we had to do here. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for listening to uh, Marriage on a Tightrope. Uh, we'd love to hear your feedback on this topic. In fact, we'll we'll post a uh, a comment thread about this episode and this topic in our Facebook group. Uh, we'll also post it on Instagram. We'd love to interact with you there. You can email us at marriageonatightrope at gmail.com. If you have, um, let's see, how much did we say we were short from buying that house? $10,000? <laughs> if anyone would like to donate, uh, we can still make this happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's over it's done with it's done we do appreciate all of those who have supported us by joining our course with natasha by just donating via uh, venmo at marriage on a tightrope or on our website marriage on a tightrope.org uh, and even if you can't uh, donate uh, we just love hearing from you so please send us messages and email and uh, be patient as we try to get back to everybody last words katie you almost burped. That would have been a lot good last word. Well, if you listen back, it may have come through the <laughs> mic. We have pretty good microphones. It's done. We're going to see that it was better that we grew up together. Tell me you don't want to leave because if change is what you need, you can change right next to me. When you're high, I'll take the lows You can ebb and I can flow We'll take it slow And grow as we go